We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 441 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Friday, November 11th, 2022. It is 11, 11, 22. 11 plus 11 is 22. Hey, how about that? Fun with numbers, fun with lawsuits. Uh, The major announcement from Washington, D.C. Attorney General Coral Racine on Thursday afternoon related to the commanders turned out to be a lawsuit, a lawsuit against the commanders, team co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder, the National Football League, and NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. This quote for colluding to deceive district residents about an investigation into toxic workplace culture and allegations of sexual assault to maintain a strong fan base and increase profits, end quote. Racine had quite the presser, uh, including various poster board-like displays chronicling the alleged wrongdoings of Dan Snyder and the team. You know, the poster board-like displays brought me right back to like the science fair in the seventh grade. I think one of the poster board displays at that Carl Racine presser had a report on refraction. I'm not sure. But anyway, what to make of this lawsuit and what it might mean for Dan selling the commanders. There's a lot to process, a lot to be thinking about. And so coming up next segment, I'll welcome on a high-level guest to assess the lawsuit Howard Gutman, the former United States ambassador to Belgium, a graduate of Harvard Law School and a big Commanders fan. Uh, The ambassador is one of many big machers who listen to this podcast and he's going to spend some time with us on this lawsuit as the fun with the Danny, of course, continues. Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. This is a Football Friday installment of the podcast, but with no Commanders game on Sunday. That's because their next game is on Monday. Uh, It is a big game. 
the four and five commanders at the eight and oh and NFL leading Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football at 815. Commanders head coach Rod Rivera on Thursday afternoon did a post-practice press conference as this Coral Racine press conference was going on. Boy, was that odd. Uh, Ron did address the oh-so-wonderful statement from Team Dan Snyder on Wednesday evening that took shots at Racine and the city of Washington, D.C., and brought up the shooting of Commander's running back Brian Robinson Jr. in D.C. on August 28th. I'm going to play for you what Ron had to say uh, about that and also about his mom, uh, whose funeral Ron attended this week. Uh, I will also actually discuss Commander's Eagles. Uh, The first injury report for the game is out. Uh, Rod on Thursday afternoon addressed whether we might finally see the season debut of edge defender Chase Young. Uh, And Ron and quarterback Taylor Heineke on Thursday afternoon addressed the potential for this game at the Eagles to be Taylor's last stand before quarterback Carson Wentz comes off the reserve injured list. Is Tay-Tay spot as a team starting quarterback on the line on Monday night. Also on the show, Goldilocks for college football week 11. Previews and picks for Maryland at number 14 Penn State Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Navy versus number 20 Notre Dame at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore, Maryland Saturday at noon. Liberty at UConn Saturday at noon. Virginia home to Pitt Saturday at noon, and Virginia Tech at Duke Saturday at noon. I have a wizard segment for you off a very nice win for the Wiz on Thursday night. They were without Bradley Beal, Chris Damps, Porzingis, and Elon Wright, and yet beat the Dallas Mavericks 113-105 at Capital One Arena. And they'll hit on some college hoops of blowout wins for Maryland and Virginia Tech on Thursday night. A big night for Juju! Terrapins big man, Julian Reese. Uh, Do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. If you're not already doing that, subscribing costs you nothing. And make sure that each episode is automatically downloaded right to your device. Uh, Also, ratings and reviews help out a lot. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a brief review saying that you like the podcast. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I always enjoy hearing from you. Uh, lots of feedback on the statement from the commanders, specifically Team Dan Snyder on Wednesday evening, this being that statement that fired back at Carl Racine and invoked the shooting of Brian Robinson Jr. Email from Durrell, writes Durrell, couldn't let this one slide. Very few things have made me as upset as this statement from the commanders. Using Brian Robinson as a pawn to seemingly deflect blame from a potentially damaging announcement regarding your own franchise is disgusting. It's classless and tasteless, but yet it's our commanders. What a tone-deaf, dysfunctional mess. One, That'll hopefully be over soon. Uh, Thank you for the email, Darrell. And it's that last point that you got to cling to. As ridiculous as all of this is, it would seem that all of this is coming to an end sooner rather than later. And I say seem because nothing, of course, is for sure. But if Dan and Tanya Snyder are selling the entirety of their ownership of the team, then the circus should be ending sometime soon. 
Email from Wendell Hicks, writes Wendell, this team is just a continuous embarrassment. I have friends from Nashville and Atlanta who are asking me about this latest clown show. I want to just blame it on Dan, but at some point, Jason Wright has to be a real leader and not allow these things to happen. I wish I could just be a Ravens fan, but this little defect in me just won't allow that. As much as the team is an embarrassment, your show continues to be great. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you for that, Wendell. You know, as long as this show is better than Dan Snyder's ownership tenure of the Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders, that's what matters, okay? If at the end of each show, you can at least say, well, I don't know how good that show was, but it was better than Dan's ownership of the football team. Okay, I'll take that. Uh, Jason Wright, look, he is batting far from a thousand as team president, but I do think that it's hard to truly judge the job that he has done, given who his boss is. Like, we have no idea how much dysfunction that Jason has had to put up with behind the scenes. I mean, the statement that Jason came out with late night on Wednesday night to try to clean up the mess of the statement that came out from Team Dan Snyder on Wednesday evening. How many other team presidents are having to do stuff like that? Uh, Jason pretty clearly had no input or maybe even idea that that statement from Team Dan Snyder was coming out. Neither, by the way, did Ron Rivera, at least according to what he said during his post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon. And no, Wendell, do not become a Ravens fan. Uh, Email from Stanley Evans, right, Stanley, I always thought that we would be stuck with Dan Snyder, but thanks be to God, it looks like Dan finally is leaving. I think everybody believes he's going to sell. And can you imagine the outcry if he doesn't sell? D.C. may have a riot in the streets. Uh, Stanley, please perish that thought. The letdown that would be if Dan didn't end up selling the team would be an all-time letdown. I don't even want to think about that. Well, something that you should be thinking about uh, is now actually being a good time to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area. Housing prices are coming down due to an increase in inventory caused by the increases in mortgage rates, with others not buying. Now, actually, it's a great time to buy. When everyone else is zigging, you should be, yes, zagging. Uh, Contact real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt understands the Washington, D.C. area real estate market, and he is here for you to listen to what you want, no matter your situation in life. Whether you are a first-time buyer looking for guidance or you have a young family looking for a bigger home or you are ready to retire and or are looking to downsize, Kellen Hunt can help you. Kellen Hunt is a real estate agent for real people. He's a great guy and he will listen to you. He's not just some know-it-all. He works for you. He takes in what you're looking for and then gets to work. Smart, attention to detail, creative. Put Kellen Hunt to work for you. And know this, Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing and he wants to help. So visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. You have nothing to lose. See what he can do for you. Visit closeitwithkell.com and book your introductory call with Kellen Hunt. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit closeitwithkell.com and tell Kell 
that Al Galdi sent you. Well, if you would like to sponsor the Al Galdi podcast, if you would like to advertise your business or practice on the pod and reach thousands of people every episode at a very affordable price, hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. So it turns out that the major announcement on Thursday afternoon from Washington, D.C. Attorney General Coral Racine related to the commanders was not about the team's financial scandal, as many had suspected, but was instead about the team's workplace misconduct scandal. Uh, Although Racine at his press conference was asked about the financial scandal and said that he would have more on that next week. But Racine on Thursday afternoon, per a press release, quote, announced a new lawsuit against the Washington Commanders, team owner Dan Snyder, the National Football League, and NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell for colluding to deceive district residents, Commander's core fans, about an investigation into toxic workplace culture and allegations of sexual assault to maintain a strong fan base and increase profits. End quote. Statement from Commander's lawyers John Brownlee and Stuart Nash. Quote, over two years ago, Dan and Tanya Snyder acknowledged that an unacceptable workplace culture had existed within their organization for several years, and they have apologized many times for allowing that to happen. We agree with A.G. Racine on one thing. The public needs to know the truth. Although the lawsuit repeats a lot of innuendo, half-truths, and lies, we welcome this opportunity to defend the organization for the first time in a court of law and to establish once and for all what is fact and what is fiction, end quote. Statement from NFL spokesperson Brian McCarthy, quote, The independent investigation into workplace misconduct at the Washington Commanders was thoroughly and comprehensively conducted by Beth Wilkinson and her law firm. Following the completion of the investigation, the NFL made public a summary of Ms. Wilkinson's findings and imposed a record-setting fine against the club and its ownership. We reject the legally unsound and factually baseless allegations made today by the D.C. Attorney General against the NFL and Commissioner Goodell and will vigorously defend against those claims, end quote. So this new lawsuit, what exactly does it mean? How big of a deal is it? And how might it impact Dan Snyder selling the Commanders. I'm very pleased to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast, Howard Gutman, the former United States ambassador to Belgium. Uh, He was U.S. ambassador to Belgium from August 2009 to July 2013. He is a 1977 graduate of Columbia University and a 1980 graduate of Harvard Law School. Uh, He has appeared in several movies and television shows. He is the host of the political commentary radio show, As I See It, on News Radio WRVA in Richmond and on the Odyssey app. He is a big fan and an astute observer of the Commanders, and he is a loyal listener of this podcast. You can follow the Ambassador on Twitter at the Howard Gutman. Ambassador Gutman, how are you? I'm doing well, Al. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I have a lot that I want to ask you, but I want to begin with what I'm guessing most people listening care about the most. Uh, this lawsuit. Does it make Dan Snyder selling the commanders more likely or less likely? Far less likely for a couple of reasons. First of all, to the extent that something changed from the time 
the commanders responded to Bob Ursay uh, by saying, uh, there's no reason for the Snyders to sell and they never will. To then, in a short while, them announcing they were considering all options, something had changed. And part of that might be that Tanya Snyder had gotten booed and it, enough had just built that she would have wanted to add of this. What this lawsuit finally lets Dan tell Tanya is selling the team doesn't get us out of it. This lawsuit doesn't go away the second I sell the team. The second problem, that the lawsuit continues for the AG if it were allowed to progress that far. I don't think it will survive into January, but we can talk about that. The second reason is to the extent that Dan was selling because there was momentum building against him by the other owners that, Dan, your time has come, you got to go. They just made Dan very sympathetic to the entire league of owners and the commissioner and the office because Dan was arguing before, you know, this was the left-wing Democrats going after me in the in the House. And this is the same thing with the AG. Well, he's doing the exact same thing to Goodell and to the league. And his theory, his theory is has nothing to do necessarily with the commanders. If you bought a Dallas Cowboy ticket and you lived in the district, you've got the same cause of action against the Cowboys, even though they're not a Washington team, neither are the Washington commanders. Um, this same consumer fraud theory that he has would affect any purchase of a, of a commodity or a ticket by, in, by anyone who bought a product where the, the company or the team was accused of sexual harassment and denied it. And now the DCAG wants to say they denied it falsely. Wow. Well, I'm still recovering from what you said at the beginning of your answer. Uh, very sobering that this lawsuit makes Dan Snyder selling the commanders far less likely. But you also said that you don't see this lawsuit surviving into January. Why do you feel that way? Two possible reasons. First of all, it is bewildering. When the commanders complained that there were novel theories, people asked the very same question. What could the AG in, the, in D.C.? Uh, do. He doesn't have criminal action. This is not a D.C. company. They don't play their games in D.C. And the answer that made obvious sense was those ticket deposits. If a, if a company is wrongly withholding deposits by D.C. consumers, that's a consumer protection issue. What, what Racine did is I learned no new facts. I listened that whole time. I didn't learn a single thing we haven't heard through this whole workplace misconduct scandal. It all had come out. It was all rehearsed on the Hill. Uh, it's been rehearsed many, many times. He took the summary of that uh, and said, here's all the things they're alleged to do. They denied it. And somehow that's giving me consumer protection jurisdiction to bring a lawsuit on behalf of consumers in the district. And it's the biggest non sequitur. It's not a cons the consumer protection statute isn't a sexual harassment stat statute. And what he had to say, what the claim is, is if the ticket buyers had known that these denials of sexual harassment were false, they wouldn't have paid this much for the ticket. 
it could have been a much more sensible case to say they expected Brandon Scherf. They got Trey Turner. They haven't gotten their money's worth for their ticket. That's at least consumer protection. They thought you'd be, you said you'd be a good team. You're a mediocre team. They overpaid for their ticket, but they didn't overpay for the ticket because they thought Dan Snyder was a good guy. And it turns out when he said, I'm a good guy, he wasn't telling the truth. That theory makes no sense. That's number one. Number two, the second reason I don't think it survives, is there's been a change in, in attorney generals. The new guys coming in. Normally, you would be on the stage together. A guy doesn't bring a lawsuit a month before he's out of office and says at the press conference, obviously the new AG will have his own team. I suspect he'll have his lawyers take the case over. They haven't talked about it. They weren't there together. This wasn't the decision. This was Carl Racine on his way out saying, I'm going out with a splash. Let me leave this headache for the next guy. Let him figure it out. I'm the guy who went after Dan Snyder. So I'm not sure the district will continue with the action. Um, and I don't think, and I think there's a good chance it gets dismissed on the just on the legal papers for not stating a claim for consumer fraud, a consumer protection claim in the district. As you know, having worked in the world of politics, it's always so important to think clearly and ask, okay, what exactly is going on here? You just hit on one of the quirkier things in all of this, and that is that Coral Racine is on his way out as Washington, D.C. Attorney General. He did not seek re-election as D.C. AG. His term as AG will end on January 2nd. What's his true motivation with this lawsuit? I think he had his 15 minutes in the sun. I mean, that's how that press conference was done. It was done two weeks ago announcing, I'm getting closer, then announcing, wait till you see tomorrow, then introducing his team, like, this was the, the end zone celebration. This is totally unbecoming a prosecution. If you have a case, you file it in court. Then people learn of it in the filing in court. And when they ask you about it, you say no comment. It's a publicly filed case. You don't turn it into an entertainment tonight hit. Uh, but this was this guy's 15 minutes in the sun. And the question is, where was the mayor in controlling him? Excellent question, Mayor Muriel Bowser. Where were you? Uh, the lawsuit per a press release from Carl Racine is seeking two general things. Goal number one, quote, financial penalties under the CPPA for every incident in which the commanders, Snyder, the NFL, and Goodell lied to district residents dating back to July 2020. The defendants could face millions of dollars in penalties, end quote. Goal number two, quote, a court order forcing the NFL to release the findings from attorney Beth Wilkinson's 10-month independent investigation into the commander's workplace culture to give the fans and the public the truth and information they expected, end quote. I take it that you see neither one of these goals being attained. So let me make clear first. I could not condemn stronger the toxic workplace. It was horrendous. It was wrong. Dan Snyder shouldn't be owning a club. He should have taken responsibility a long time ago. And he should have said, you know, I apologize. He should have made right to the plaintiffs and the like. But none of these legal theories make any sense. You don't get the Beth Wilkinson report under the D.C. Consumer Protection Act. Uh, you, you don't get, uh, I'm protecting D.C. 
people who have watched television and heard the commissioner's view. Do they get compensated with the commissioner's views on the Oakland Raiders, on the Las Vegas Raiders? If the commissioner spoke about uh, a player's uh, misconduct and he lied to them, are they aggrieved again if they buy tickets of that team? It's, it's just, this guy has a microphone, but he doesn't have global jurisdiction. And so I don't see why he gets the best Wilkinson report because he's the AG of D.C. I guess the AG of Oklahoma could get it if anyone bought a commander's ticket in Oklahoma. And all of a sudden, anybody who wants anything says the people who live in my jurisdiction have a right to know. So therefore, under my consumer protection, they should know everything they want to know. That's not what the consumer protection statute's about. It can be, there could be, consumer protection violations, like the club withheld deposits and, and had a policy that violates fair treatment of the consumer, which is if you pay a deposit and it comes back to you by its terms when you're done owning tickets, you're supposed to return them. But that, not that a private entity... Uh, which is the NFL, uh, hires a private investigation so they can monitor their own, and your citizens have a right to know because you're the AG. It's almost like, like you know, Deborah Katz, that, that law firm is good and aggressive, but they, they somehow came up with this as a way to try to get compensation for people, I guess, for whom the normal laws have either run out. They either settled once or they never brought an action timely. And now they're trying to figure out how to get this to lead to a settlement for their people. That's at least what it sounds like to me. I can't say I know that at all. Um, but this isn't a D.C. consumer protection case. We're talking Dan Snyder with Howard Gutman, the former United States ambassador to Belgium, a graduate of Harvard Law School. It's funny that you bring up Lisa Banks and Deborah Katz, who are the attorneys for dozens of former Redskins employees. The Coral Racine press conference on Thursday afternoon was scheduled for 1 p.m., started late, and a statement from Lisa Banks and Deborah Katz came out acknowledging the lawsuit before it was announced. Uh, Racine essentially got scooped by Banks and Katz. Is it bad form for Racine that Banks and Katz had full knowledge of the lawsuit before it was announced to where they had this prepared statement? Or is something like this, in fact, a common arrangement? So it, it, I think it's closer to bad form. If there's a victim, the prosecutor tries to make sure the victim isn't in the dark, but it isn't quite... Uh, put the case together for me. We work hand in hand. We orchestrate it. No, Colestine is a public servant. He doesn't, he serves the citizens of the district. Uh, Lisa Banks' 40 clients probably aren't even in the district, some, maybe one or two, or some live there, but they're not the people that Colestine's protecting. Lisa Banks is trying to get a civil compensation for her clients and a contingency fee for them, a third of the recovery. And it's not the government to do their bidding um, to the extent they were victims. But no, the victims are supposedly the people who live in the district who bought tickets and overpaid because they believed Dan when he said he's a good guy. And if they only knew he was a bad guy, they wouldn't have paid that much. Because how else did you get DC consumer fraud? 
So the bottom line with this lawsuit announced by Carl Racine on Thursday afternoon, and this is odd, but sounds like those of us who want Dan Snyder to sell the team should be rooting for the lawsuit not to survive into January. It sounds like those of us who want Dan to sell the team should, in fact, be rooting against the lawsuit. Yes, because two, two things. One, Dan says to Tanya, I can't sell now because it doesn't help us. We still have the same problems. But if I sell, I don't have the resources of the team. Right now, the team has counsel and he has access to the documents and the like. Who would want to defend this suit as uh, living in France with no documents? And, and now you got the resource, 7 billion resources from the sale. Um, but, you know, it's a much different position when you're out of power, number one, to defend it. Second, even if the owners had momentum to throw them out now, the one thing that that exists now is while this is pending, you can't say he did something wrong and he has to be thrown out because we're co-defendants on the same claim. And by the way, if you're Jerry Jones or Mark Davis or one of the other owners, you've got to say fight this guy with everything because every AG could say, that if we get accused of sexual harassment and say the person is wrong, that somehow the AG has a suit on behalf of our ticket holders. So what you have to say is, uh, I've been sued for sexual harassment. Um, I deny it. But when you decide whether you want to buy my ticket, you should assume I did it so that you factor that into the price. So there's no consumer, there's full disclosure to you. <laughs> I mean, that's literally the theory here. <laughs> that really is something. Uh, so while we have this lawsuit now being initiated by Carl Racine, we also have the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Virginia having opened a criminal investigation into allegations that Washington engaged in financial improprieties. And we learned of this investigation on the same day, November 2nd, on which the commanders came out with a statement confirming a report from Forbes that the Snyders are exploring a sale of the team. Is this investigation by the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Virginia potentially what prompted Dan Snyder to do the 180 on selling the team? So first, it's hard to tell for a couple of reasons. First, when that was announced, Brownlee denied it. He wasn't he wasn't coy in it. He said, that's made up, that's false. And as an attorney, um, you, you don't go out, you know, it's, it, and he's an attorney from a real firm. You don't go out and put yourself on the line that much. In, in my 27 years, I never commented on pending litigation. Um, but even if you're not the type that does the Williams economy careful approach, you still don't say it's not true when it's true. So we don't know. We don't know who the subject or the targets are. The only criminal conduct I've seen so far, and I followed this religiously as you have, the only potentially criminal conduct I've seen is the conduct of Jason Friedman when Jason Friedman uh, announced, described, and produced the email showing that he had allocated certain revenue from NFL games to college games and concerts so they wouldn't hit the NFL and Player Association revenue sharing column. But we also saw then that the team learned he had done that, the audit committee, and they had reversed the entry and properly recorded it. So the team, as far as I've seen, had not committed fraud on the Players Association or the rest of the league. So the only thing we've seen of anyone saying 
someone hid income purposely and intentionally to cheat others was Jason Friedman. I don't know who let him testify without immunity, um, if, um, but his best defense is I attempted to do it, but luckily it never happened. So you can't really do attempt of white collar fraud uh, when it was reversed and nobody got defrauded. Um, but but I haven't seen the club, anybody showing that the club pocket anything. Now on the deposits, Al, it depends what the documents say. I suspect you're going to see that they had a policy that if the people didn't ask, don't go out of your way to remind them. But if someone says, send me back my deposit, they didn't lie, they actually sent it back. But could the policy have been more aggressive? And that could possibly be it. Would it be Dan Snyder is sitting there in an email saying, do all you can to lie and steal and not give back deposits? I can't imagine that. I do not believe it got to that granular level. So again, you might have an investigation that employees within the Redskins thinking they were doing something good overstepped their bounds. I don't see how that will go to Dan. And along those lines was that in the 24 hours leading up to Carl Racine's press conference on Thursday afternoon, we had fans revealing letters that the fans had received from the commanders regarding money that the team owed to the fans. You combine that with Racine at the press conference saying that he next week would have more on the financial scandal. And I guess uh, there could be another major announcement from Racine next week. But that would have been proper. That's what I expected. What I wanted to know is, did they purposely keep people's um, de- deposits or were they too cheap by a half? It's sort of when you sign up for a service and you can cancel within a month and then you can't figure out for the life of you how you cancel. <laughs> yeah. um, that's how they all do it. But So that's not quite fraud if there actually is a way to cancel, but they make it tough. On the other hand, if they actually had legal obligations, they knew it, and someone made a decision not to comply, that could be criminal, and that could certainly be consumer protection. But then the question you have to ask yourself is, why don't you file a complaint against a team for everything you have against them, uh, and then have your press conference? Why would you separate today from next week? And that, to ask the question is to answer it. The only reason you did that is to get today's thunder to say uh, Roger Goodell lied and I'm not going to, the deposition will occur and it won't be on a boat um, and I just don't think that's what the, the AG in the District of Columbia is supposed to be doing um, he's supposed to be enforcing the, the laws, charged with enforcing the laws for the citizens not grandstanding, which is what it seemed like today um, and, uh, and it seemed like he's stretching the law. It doesn't look like consumer protection. doesn't mean Dan shouldn't be accountable. The problem all has stemmed from the fact that when we found out about this toxic workplace and how horrendous it was, Dan should have gotten a meaningful punishment by the league. The league should have actually fined him a real fine made him settle with the victims. That would have taken care of the Lisa Banks, Deborah Katz. Would have cost him $100 million and made him sit in the sidelines for a year real. And then this would have gone away because he would have 
had a toxic workplace and paid for it. What happened is he wouldn't even take when they said you're suspended. He said, no, I'm not. I'm kind of just on the sideline because I like the sideline. And when they said you have a fine, no, I don't. I have a charitable contribution that has to go to certain categories. Um, and because of that, everybody who feels like he's gotten away with something, these women deserve something and they do. Um, the city deserves something, and we do, but it's not a consumer protection action by the District of Columbia. Well, Ambassador, I look forward to the day on which I have you on this podcast, and we talk nothing but football, uh, but unfortunately, that day has not yet arrived. Uh, but thank you very much for your time. Thanks so much, Al. Al, let me tell you what the biggest tragedy was. Blake Martinez had 11 tackles for the Raiders this week, and we had John Bostic looking around saying, boy, those guys run fast. Yeah, although the commander's defense is playing well, that's not really the concern. Uh, the offense is the concern. All right, well, Blake Martinez's 11 tackles we could have used. <laughs> I hear you. You're not wrong. Howard Gutman, the former United States ambassador to Belgium, a graduate of Harvard Law School. Ambassador Gutman, all the best. All the best. All right. Well, the ambassador has spoken. Uh, Howard Gutman, by the way, very familiar with the work of a founding partner of the law firm of Paulson and Nace, uh, the late great Barry Nace. And so I know that Ambassador Gutman knows that if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. No law firm does a better job of fighting for victims than Paulson and Nace does. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C., and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace, they are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. You see, Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who caused the client's harm more than the offers benefit the clients. This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial, and that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. Heck, take a case that was recently concluded. Paulson and Nace in July won a case for which the United States government must pay nearly $1.8 million. Uh, this to a former American University field hockey player because of a military doctor's failure to diagnose and treat the student for a 2011 concussion that left her with permanent symptoms. Paulson and Nace defeated the U.S. government. Again, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can schedule that no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. You can also visit PaulsonandNace.com. That's PaulsonandNace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace.
So we on Thursday afternoon had Washington, D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine conducting a press conference announcing, quote, a new lawsuit against the Washington Commanders, team owner Dan Snyder, the National Football League and NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell for colluding to deceive district residents about an investigation into toxic workplace culture and allegations of sexual assault to maintain a strong fan base and increase profits, end quote. We had that. And at the same time, we had Commander's head coach Ron Rivera doing a post-practice press conference. This was surreal. And how about this? It turns out that Ron this week was in California for his mother's funeral. And he was in transit on Wednesday evening when team Dan Snyder put out that statement that set the world on fire. Uh, The statement that fired back at Carl Racine and invoked the shooting of Commander's running back Brian Robinson Jr. in Washington, D.C. on August 28th. So think about all of this from Ron's perspective. He has his mom's funeral across the country in California. Then he comes back to Virginia and he has to deal with yet another dysfunctional mess. Uh, The book that will be written about Ron's tenure as Washington head coach, given all that he has had to deal with during that tenure, is going to be a doozy, man. I mean, whatever you think about Ron as a head coach, you can't deny the amount of chaos that he has had to deal with during his time as Washington head coach. And oh, by the way, his four and five commanders have a big game this Monday night at the 8-0 and NFL leading Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football at 8-15. This was an exchange between commanders insider John Keim of ESPN and Ron Rivera during Ron's post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon. Coming back to another situation. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious, you know, this, this one involves them using your player in a press release, and I am curious what your take on that was, what, did, what you thought of that. Well, I just think, again, that, that was something that's being handled, you know, by Jason. Jason came out and made a statement last night and talked about it, and, and again, you know, just going forward, as far as we're concerned, it's interesting. I, I'm being sincere. I mean, I, we're trying to focus in on what's on the, on the field. We can't control that portion of it again what we control is the football aspect of it what our players do what our team does on the football field and we're going to remain focused on that is it a little bit more frustrating because it does involve a player where now you know you had to talk about it in the meeting then you know the player will get asked about it does Mm -hmm. that does that make a little bit more frustrating maybe yeah because it'll be talked about that's the honest truth i mean again to me it's, it's 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 a moot point because you know, we control what we control on the football field. And that's what I told the players. Let's just focus in on what we do, what's important for what we do, and how we handle things. And let's just stay focused with that. Um, I know you guys are going to ask the question, and, and, and somebody's going to ask me, well, what do you think about the distractions? Well, don't ask the question then. Leave them alone. Shoot, you, you guys know how everybody feels, and, you know, everybody's putting it out there. So let's just focus on playing the game. Yeah, so I get where Rod Rivera is coming from in saying what he just said, but of course he and the players are going to get asked about the statement from Team Dan Snyder on Wednesday evening. Like, reporters aren't doing their jobs if the reporters don't ask about something like that statement from Team Danny on Wednesday evening. This is not some small-town media market, okay? This is the Washington, D.C. market. This is a top-ten television market. This is a big-boy market. 
And it's not the job of the media to root for the team, to help the team along. Now, it's also not the job of the media to be overly negative and to go out of its way to work against the team. But if you as a reporter don't write and or talk about something like that statement from Team Dan Snyder on Wednesday evening, then your competitor will write and or talk about that and you'll lose out to your competitor. I mean, that's how this works. And you heard Ron Rivera reference the attempted cleanup statement by Commander's team president Jason Wright late night on Wednesday night. And Ron doing that was perfectly fine. I mean, just refer back to that statement and move on. But asking for reporters not to ask about this stuff, I mean, that's small town, small time, small minded thinking. You know, that's just not the way that things work, especially in a place like DC. Now, a big thing here, of course, is the Brian Robinson Jr. thing. Him being shot multiple times at Washington, D.C. on August 28th, being invoked in that statement from Team Dan Snyder on Wednesday evening, angered a lot of people, including Brian's agent. Uh, Now, Brian did speak with reporters on Thursday afternoon. He didn't say much. Uh, He did a nice job of not saying much, uh, and I'm sure that that was the goal, to not say much. Uh, This was Rod Rivera on Thursday afternoon on a meeting that he had with his players on Thursday morning about the statements of Wednesday evening. When I talk to the players, players understand. The players seem to be in a good place. I have an open-door policy. If they want to come speak to me about it, I told them. I urge them to come talk to me. And today, nobody has talked to me. You know, I talked to Brian last night. Talked to him again today. Brian's in a great spot. I mean, Brian didn't, under- didn't understand what the big fuss was. All right, there you go. I mean, maybe it is that Brian Robinson Jr. wasn't bothered by the statement from Team Dan Snyder on Wednesday evening, but know this, some of his teammates were. Tweet from Commander's Insider J.P. Finley of NBC Sports Washington on Thursday morning, quote, throughout Dan Snyder drama, Commander's players have done a good job of trying to block it out. But I've heard it's different now. Players are mad. Lawyers tried to use Brian Robinson, a rookie, and their rebuttal about business issues. Might not say it publicly, but guys are pissed. End quote. Uh, That, to me, was a significant tweet from JP. And we still haven't had Commander's players come out forcefully against Dan Snyder. I mean, quarter Benjamin St. Juice was quoted in a French language publication saying some things, but he really seemed to walk those things back in a session with reporters on Thursday afternoon. But yeah, I mean, just because guys don't come out and say stuff publicly doesn't mean that those guys aren't feeling that stuff privately. Uh, Rod Rivera later in his press conference on Thursday afternoon opened up about his mom. Uh, He got asked about how he's managing to compartmentalize right now with everything going on. Here was Ron's response. You know, it's it's funny because a lot of things my mom was going through she didn't want me to know about, and I was the last one to know. Um, That was her wishes, and that's kind of the way mom was. You know, growing up in the military, um, you know, being uh, an Army officer's wife, there were a lot of things, a lot of responsibilities you had, and she understood that. And one of them was, quote-unquote, protecting the troops. So to to that point, you know, the last thing she wanted was to, quote-unquote, distract me from football, um, which I I wish she would have distracted me a little sooner. 
but getting the opportunity to, to visit with her the week before she passed was was huge. It was tremendous, and I really appreciate the support I got from the team. I got from the Snyders as far as that was concerned. You know, knowing that I was going to be gone for a couple of days, um, getting the opportunity to be there the last couple of days was tremendous. Um, more so for my father. You know, and 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 the outreach from the from 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 the team, from from people in the league that I know was, and and from some of the fans here around this area that have you know that that, that have gotten to, to cheer for us. Um, I thought the reaction was was very nice, and and I really appreciate that. I appreciate all those folks. As I said, I really do appreciate the support I've gotten from 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 this organization. Um, you know, on down from the Snyder's to Jason to to Martin. You know, th- those guys have been terrific in terms of helping out with a lot of things, and then the coaches really stepping up. All right, some good stuff there from Ron Rivera. Some heavy stuff there from Ron Rivera. It's never just about football with our football team. We all know that by now. But there is an actual big football game for the football team coming up. And let's get to that game right now. All right, so yeah, there is a game on Monday night. Four and five commanders at the 8-0 and and NFL-leading Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football at 8-15. We on Thursday got the first injury report for the game. Uh, The injury report included just five commanders players, three offensive players, and two defensive players. On offense, running back J.D. McKissick did not practice on Thursday due to the neck injury that had him inactive for the commander's last game, the 2017 loss to the Minnesota Vikings at FedEx Field last Sunday afternoon. Receiver Jahan Dotson was a limited participant in practice on Thursday due to the hamstring injury that has had him inactive for each of the team's last five games. Remember, he aggravated that injury in practice on October 20th, and center Tyler Larson was a limited participant in practice on Thursday due to a back issue. On defense, linebacker Cole Holcomb did not practice on Thursday due to the foot sprain that has had him inactive for each of the team's last two games. Linebacker David Mayo was a limited participant in practice on Thursday due to the hamstring injury that had him inactive for the loss to the Vikings. Uh, Meantime, what about edge defender Chase Young? Uh, He remains on the reserve physically unable to perform list in his recovery from a torn right ACL. His 21-day practice window was started on November 2nd. Might he finally make his 2022 debut this Monday night? This was Commander's head coach Rod Rivera during his post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon on how Chase Young looked in practice, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's insider Ben Standig of The Athletic. He looked good. You know, we, we put him in pass for situations to watch him and uh, get a chance to go watch him on tape a little bit more. And But he looked good. You know, I, I, I just didn't focus on him. I was trying to focus on, on the whole unit as, as a whole. But I did notice him a couple of times. So it's good to see him moving around, moving as quick as he is. Uh, we'll see how he is tomorrow morning. Is that what it will? You'll have to wait till tomorrow or the next day to yeah. determine about Monday. It, it'll always be about the next day. You know, they, 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 how much they work him. You know, uh, and, and then the next morning, if he's sore or not, or if he feels something, uh, we'll help dictate as to whether or not we'll, we'll um, you know, we'll activate him or not. All right, so we'll see with Chase Young. What about the commander's quarterback situation? Yes, the quarterback situation. Uh, this game at the Eagles will be the fourth and final game that Carson Wentz has to miss with him being on the reserve injured list. He's been on that since October 22nd due to a fractured right ring finger. 
Uh, he suffered that in the win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday Night Football in Week 6. He underwent surgery for the fractured right ring finger on October 17th. I do think that if this Monday night Taylor Heineke plays poorly and the Commanders lose, and if Carson then is healthy enough to play, that Rod Rivera may well go back to Carson as a team starting quarterback. I don't know that it's accurate to say that Taylor's spot as the starting quarterback is on the line in this game at the Eagles because Carson's health has a lot to do with that, but Taylor's spot as a starting quarterback could be on the line in this game at the Eagles. Uh, We on Thursday afternoon had the following exchange between Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com and Ron Rivera. This is the last game Carson has to miss. Uh, Where is he at? Do you anticipate him returning next week? We'll see. Um, He's looking good. He's going through his rehab, doing the things he's supposed to. I may be a touch ahead of myself here, but would you return Carson to the lineup when he's ready? You're most certainly ahead of yourself. I told you guys we'll play the game, and then I'll I'll, I'll decide when it's time to. There you go. I do think that how Taylor Heineke plays this Monday night is going to factor in big time to whether he remains as the commander's starting quarterback, even if Carson Wentz isn't healthy enough to be back for the following game at the Houston Texans on Sunday afternoon, November 20th at 1. A good performance by Taylor in a shocking win for the commanders at the Eagles on Monday night would make it awfully hard to bench Tay-Tay anytime soon. Uh, Now, Taylor on Thursday afternoon did a post-practice press conference. Here he was on if he's at all motivated to play well for the purpose of showing coaches and teammates that he deserves to remain as the team's starting quarterback. I've honestly never, I don't think about it. Um, Again, it's, that's one of those things I've talked about before where it's, it's out of my control. Um, You know, you know, I was sitting here during OTAs and kind of asked ask the same question. And it's, it's one of those things where it's, hey, I, I know my role and I want to do the best at it. Uh, my role this year was to be back up to Carson. And if he went down, be ready to play. And I feel like I've done that. And I got one more at least. Um, and we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, I'm just going out there and trying to win games for this team. And if they want to put Carson back in, great. I'll be the, the best backup I can be to him and help him in any way I can. Um, but for me right now, I just go in there and try to do the best I can. And that right there was the perfect answer by Taylor Heineke. That right there is exactly how you address what, of course, is a delicate topic. Whatever Taylor Heineke's mindset truly is, whatever Ron Rivera is truly thinking at quarterback, big spot for Taylor and the commanders at the Eagles on Monday night. Up next, college football. Goldilocks for Week 11. Previews and picks for the biggest games in the mid-Atlantic region, including games against ranked teams for the top two teams in the state of Maryland. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. We move now to college football week 11 of the 2022 college football season, and I have Goldilocks for you. My previews and picks against the spreads for games played by Maryland, Navy, Virginia Tech, Virginia, and Liberty, which has joined the Goldilocks click thanks to a very impressive season. Unimpressive is the season that Goldilocks is having. 10 27 and 1. That is atrocious, okay? Although, if you've been playing the opposite of the picks, you're probably a millionaire by now. Uh, But a very busy week 11 for college football in the Mid-Atlantic region. All point spreads are from WinBet. Goldilocks game number one, Maryland at number 14, Penn State, Saturday afternoon at 3.30. The Terrapins are plus 10. They fell to 6-3 overall and 3-3 in the Big Ten with a 23-10 loss at Wisconsin last Saturday afternoon. Uh, This was a game in which Maryland's offensive and defensive lines got manhandled. A brutal game for the Terps offensively on what was a rainy and windy day at Camp Randall Stadium in Madison, Wisconsin. The Terps scored just 10 points, totaled a mere nine first downs, finished with a woeful 189 total net yards of offense, averaged a woeful 2.95 2.95 yards per play, went just 5 of 17 on third downs. Uh, the Terps QB1, Talia Tungavailoa, was back. He returned from a one-game absence that was due to an aggravated sprained right MCL that he suffered in the 38-33 win at Indiana on October 15th. But Talia had one of the worst games of his career. Uh, he completed just 10 of his 23 pass attempts. He threw for just 77 yards. He averages 3.35 yards per pass attempt. Uh, he had one touchdown pass versus one interception, and he took five sacks. Uh, the Terps defense did do a good job against the pass on, again, a bad weather day in Madison, but the Terps defense got steamrolled by Wisconsin's running game. Badgers running backs Braylon Allen and Isaac Garendo and receiver Skylar Bell combined for 38 carries for 200 
85 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, those three players combined to average 7.5 yards per carry. Uh, the Nittany Lions of Penn State, number 14 team in the FBS for the latest college football playoff rankings, which came out on Tuesday night. Penn State is 7-2 overall and 4-2 and in the Big Ten. The two losses are to the two best teams in the Big Ten, Ohio State and Michigan, which are the numbers two and three teams, respectively, in the latest college football playoff rankings. Uh, Penn State is a very good defensive team through Week 10 was number 13 in the FBS in defensive efficiency per the SP Plus rankings of ESPN college football analyst Bill Connolly for this season. The Penn State offense isn't great, but it is good enough. However, uh, we have had reverse line movement with this game, a ton of public money on Penn State, and yet the line this week has moved toward enticing you to bet Penn State, which was a 12-point favorite in multiple shops earlier in the week. Reverse line movement, an indication of sharp money. The Sharps are feeling the Terps, and so give me Maryland plus 10. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Yes, thank you, Snoop Dogg. Goldilocks game number two, Navy versus number 20, Notre Dame at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore, Maryland. Saturday at noon, the midshipmen are plus 15 and a half. Uh, the mids fell to three and six overall and three and four in the American Athletic Conference with a 2010 loss at Cincinnati last Saturday. Now, Navy was an 18 and a half point underdog in multiple shops. So credit to the mids for being in the game, but they continue to have a very hard time offensively uh, with Ty Lovatai having suffered a season-ending injury in Navy's previous game, the 27-20 overtime win over Temple at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland on October 29th. The mid-starting quarterback was Xavier Arline, but we also saw a good bit of Masai Maynard as Arline dealt with cramping. Uh, Arline, 12 carries for 87 yards. He took one sack, went 101 passing for three yards. Uh, Maynard, six carries for minus nine yards, although he did have a rushing touchdown. He took one sack. He went three of five passing for 81 yards. Navy did go six of 14 on third downs and two of two on fourth downs. The mids moved the ball somewhat, but did not do a good enough job of turning possessions into points. Mids point total ended up being just a 10 against, yes, a good defense in Cincinnati's. Uh, Navy's defense gave some stuff up to Cincinnati quarterback Ben Bryan, but the mids ultimately held Cincinnati to just 20 points and to just 3 of 11 on third downs, but more special teams problems for Navy. Kicker Daniel Davies just 1 of 3 on field goals, including a second quarter 25-yard field goal attempt that was blocked. Uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, 6-3 and three overall, three consecutive wins since a 3-3 three and three start. The last two wins have come against ranked teams, a 41-24 win at then number 16 Syracuse on October 29th and a 35-14 home win over then number four Clemson last Saturday. And so Notre Dame is number 20 in the latest college football playoff rankings. Uh, the Fighting Irish, very good defensively. Uh, they threw week 10, were number 16 in the FBS in defensive efficiency for the SP Plus rankings for this season. Navy, by the way, through week 10, was 119th in the FBS in offensive efficiency for the SP Plus rankings for this season. Bad matchup for Navy. It's bad offense versus Notre Dame's very good defense. But as I said in the previous installment of Goldilocks, the mids have a knack 
for rising to the occasion when you least expect. We saw that to a degree at Cincinnati last Saturday. And so give me Navy plus 15 and a half. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Goldilocks game number three, Liberty at UConn, Saturday at noon. The Flames, uh, they are minus 14 and a half. Uh, They improved to 8-1 overall with a 21-19 win at Arkansas last Saturday. Liberty was a 14 and a half point underdog in multiple shops and yet led late in the second quarter, 21-0, then held on to win 21-19 as the Flames stopped Arkansas quarterback K.J. Jefferson on a two-point conversion attempt shotgun run inches from the goal line to preserve the 21-19 lead with a buck 11 left in the fourth quarter. Uh, Liberty's starting quarterback was Jonathan Bennett, despite him having been sick during the week. The fear was that the Flames could be down to their fourth string quarterback, as Bennett is only starting because the guy who was supposed to be Liberty's starting quarterback this season, Charlie Brewer, has been out since suffering a broken hand in Liberty's season opener, and the Flames QB2, Caden Salter, is out due to a groin injury for which he underwent surgery. Uh, Bennett in this win at Arkansas, 15 to 25 for 224 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. He did take four sacks. Liberty's running game didn't do much in the game. The Flames' defense was very good for three quarters and then had a rough fourth quarter. Liberty allowed Arkansas in the fourth quarter to put up 177 total net yards of offense over just 27 plays. Liberty lost the fourth quarter 14-0, lost the second half 16-0, but the Flames won the game, which was their first game since another big win, a stunning 41-14 blowout of BYU at Williams Stadium in Lynchburg, Virginia on October 22nd. Liberty is the number 19 team in the latest Associated Press poll, which came out last Sunday afternoon, but is not in the latest college football playoff rankings. Uh, neither is UConn. Uh, the Huskies are 5-5 five and five overall. They have won 4-5 or five since a 1-4 and four start, but the Huskies through Week 10 were 127th out of 131 FBS teams in offensive efficiency for the SP Plus rankings for this season. Yes, 127th. You know, the advanced stats don't love Liberty either, but give me Liberty or give me death. Minus 14 and a half. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Goldilocks game number four, Virginia, home to Pitt Saturday at noon. The Cavaliers are plus four. They fell to three and six overall and one and five in the ACC with a 31-28 loss to then number 17, North Carolina at Scott Stadium in Charlottesville, Virginia last Saturday afternoon. I will give Wahoo props for this. It had one of its better offensive games of the season, despite missing a number of key offensive players. Receivers Dontavian Wicks, Keaton Thompson, and Lavelle Davis Jr., and running back Paris Jones all did not play in the game. Also, receiver Billy Kemp IV got banged up during the game, but he came back into the game. Uh, Wahoo's head coach, Tony Elliott, on Tuesday called Wicks, Thompson, and Davis day-to-day and said that Jones, quote, is getting close end quote. Uh, The Hoos passing game against Carolina was not good as quarterback Brennan Armstrong had yet another underwhelming game, but the Hoos did run the ball well. Carolina's uh, terrible defensively, but UVA running backs Mike Hollins, Ronnie Walker Jr., and Xavier Brown combined for 27 carries for 122 yards and two touchdowns, and Brendan Armstrong had 12 carries for 64 yards and two touchdowns. He took just one sack. The Pitt Panthers, uh, they are 5-4 over 
overall and two and three in the ACC. They're coming off a 19-9 home win over then number 20 Syracuse last Saturday. The Panthers won that game despite their stud running back, Israel Abanacanda, not playing due to injury. Abanacanda is the guy who slaughtered Virginia Tech last month, October 8th of 45-29 Hokies loss at Pitt. Abanacanda in that game, 36 carries for a school record 320 yards and six touchdowns. He averaged 8.89 yards per carry. He is one of the best running backs in the country. The public is all over Pitt. I will take Pitt minus four. Make money, money, make money, money, money. And Goldilocks game number five, Virginia Tech at Duke Saturday at noon. The Hokies are plus nine and a half. Will they be the Chokies for a third consecutive game? Uh, Tech fell to two and seven overall and one and five in the ACC with a 28-27 loss to Georgia Tech at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia last Saturday afternoon. The Hokies blew a 27-16 fourth quarter lead. They lost the fourth quarter 12-0. This was off the Hokies in their previous game, the 22-21 loss at then number 24 NC State on October 27th, having blown a 21-3 third quarter lead. Uh, Virginia Tech in suffering its seventh loss of the season, clinched not being bowl eligible for the first time since 1992. And Tech now has its first six-game losing streak since 1987. This has been a rough season for the Hokies. Uh, Tech quarterback and Marshall transfer Grant Wells, he had another bad game in this loss to Georgia Tech, including committing three turnovers. He had no touchdown passes and committed two fourth-quarter turnovers, an interception and a lost fumble. He also had a lost fumble in the first quarter. He completed just 14 of his 25 pass attempts. He over his 25 pass attempts, threw for just 164 yards. He took five sacks. He quarterbacked the Tech offense that went just 4-12 on third downs. You get the idea. Uh, now, Grant Wells did have a second quarter, first and goal, three-yard shotgun read option, touchdown run, but he threw week 10, was 92nd among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS and ESPN's total QBR for this season. Virginia's Brendan Armstrong uh, was 91st. Uh, Tech's running game was effective, but had a costly giveaway. Running backs Keyshawn King, Jalen Holston, and Chance Black combined for 19 carries for 113 yards and a touchdown. That was good, but King and Tech's debacle of a fourth quarter had a lost fumble on a carry on a first and goal at the 10. Uh, Running back Malachi Thomas did not play Due to injury, Hokies head coach Brent Pry on Tuesday called Thomas doubtful to play at Duke. Uh, the Hokies defense did some good things, but in the fourth quarter got worked by Georgia Tech starting quarterback, true freshman Zach Pyron, who started in place of the injured Jeff Sims. By the way, the Hokies continued to be without a key corner in Dorian Strong. Uh, he has been out due to injury since the 33-10 home loss to West Virginia on September 22nd. Brent Pry on Tuesday said that there have been considerations about using red shirts for Dorian Strong and Malachi Thomas if they continue to be sidelined. That would make sense. Uh, the Duke Blue Devils, uh, they are 6-3 and three overall and 3-2 and two in the ACC. Their starting quarterback, Riley Leonard, very effective as a runner this season. The Hokies have been all over the place this season in terms of how they play in games. So who knows what to expect from Tech now that it officially isn't bowl eligible and is coming off these back-to-back choke job losses. Give me Duke minus 9.5. Make money, money, make money, money, money.
All right, so your Goldilocks for week 11, take these to the bank. Maryland plus 10, Navy plus 15 and a half, Liberty minus 14 and a half, Pitt minus 4, and Duke minus 9 and a half. Also on Saturday, James Madison at Old Dominion, Saturday afternoon at 1. Well, the Wizards on Thursday night had maybe their most impressive win of the season so far. They improved to 6-6 six and six with a 113-105 win over the Dallas Mavericks at Capital One Arena. The Wizards won this game despite being without three key players. Bradley Beal remained out due to being in the NBA's health and safety protocols. Chris Tamps Porzingis did not play due to a left groin strain. And DeLon Wright remained out due to a grade two right hamstring strain that he suffered in a 120-99 win over the Detroit Pistons at Capital One Arena on October 25th. So the Wizards were without Beal, Porzingis, and Wright. We're facing a Mavericks team that came into the game 6-4, and four, but won the game. Good job, Wizards. Uh, they overcame a 14-point first quarter deficit, ended up leading, though, for the entirety of the fourth quarter, during which they led by as many as 14 points. Uh, the Wizards allowed the Mavericks to go 18 of 47 on threes, but held the Mavericks to just 19 of 39 on twos. And the Wizards' defense was a lot better after a first quarter in which they got torched by the Mavs. Uh, the Wizards allowed the Mavs in the first quarter to go 7-13 to on threes, but the Wiz allowed the Mavs over the final three quarters to go just 11-34 of on threes. Here was Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on Thursday night on his message to his players about their defense after that first quarter. Do the coverage better. Do it harder. Honestly, that was it. Uh, I thought we were a little late at, at first, you know, a little uncertainty, but better level of communication, uh, better commitment to just being on time, and that helped us. You know, it, we, it's not ideal to always have to put two on the ball. There were times we played them straight up and just, you know, kept size on them. But just that balance of off, on, maybe, maybe it kept them guessing, I don't know. But um, it was effective. Yeah, funny how that works. Uh, the Wizards on Thursday night shot well. Uh, the Wizards went 12 of 30 on threes. Uh, yeah, the Wizards actually had a good game on threes. Uh, the Wizards went 29 of 54 on twos, outscored the Mavs in the paint 52-36. And the Wizards went 19 of 20 on free throws. The Mavericks went just 13 of 21 on free throws. Kyle Kuzma had a big game. Uh, on a night on which the Wizards were without two-thirds of the team's big three in Bradley Beal and Chris Damps Porzingis, the other third of the big three, Kyle Kuzma, stepped up. He, in 41 minutes, 12 seconds as a starter, went 5 of 11 on threes, 9 of 15 on twos, and 3 of 3 on free throws. He finished with 36 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 assists versus four turnovers. He was Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on Thursday night on Kyle Kuzma. I had a hell of a night, honestly. That's a, it's a big-time effort. Um, and for the most part, I thought he did it on both ends. So it's, um, you know, it's a great thing to see the commitment on both ends. And the ball was moving you know, specifically in that second half. You know, I know the, getting up the threes was you know, it's been an issue for us. We were able to get up 20. I thought the vast majority quality threes in that second half. That's a good sign. 
Yes, it is. And the Wizards bench on Thursday night was terrific. Really good stuff from Rui Hachimura, Daniel Gafford, Will Barton, and Jordan Goodwin. Uh, Rui, he in 25 minutes, 49 seconds off the bench, 2 of 4 on 3, 7 of 10 on 2s, 3 of 3 on free throws. He finished with 23 points, 8 rebounds, and a game best plus minus rating of plus 20. Uh, He did have no assists versus 4 turnovers, but Rui Hachimura had a very nice game. Uh, Daniel Gafford, on Thursday night, 24 minutes, 46 seconds off the bench, 3-3 three three on twos, 5-6 on free throws. He finished with 11 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 blocks. Will Barton in 28-56 off the bench. Did go just 1-5 on twos, but also 3-7 three on threes, 3-3 three three on free throws. He finished with 14 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 assists versus 2 turnovers. And the rise of Jordan Goodwin continued. Uh, he on Thursday night in 28-44 off the bench. 0-1 on threes, just 1-3 on twos. He scored just 2 points, but he also had 7 rebounds and 6 assists versus two turnovers, and maybe as telling as anything was that Jordan Goodwin served as the Wizards' closing point guard in the game. Wes Sunsell Jr. trusted Jordan Goodwin as the closing point guard for the game. Monte Morris did not play for a single second in the fourth quarter. Jordan Goodwin played for the entirety of the fourth quarter. Next up for the Wizards, back-to-back games this weekend. Uh, home to the Utah Jazz Saturday evening at 6 and home to the Memphis Grizzlies Sunday evening at 6. And we had some college basketball on Thursday night. Maryland improved to 2-0 with a 71-51 route of Western Carolina at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland. You know, I on Tuesday's show, episode 438, talked about how this season is a big season for the Terrapins' Julian Reese. Uh, he's a sophomore, was a consensus four-star recruit from St. Francis Academy in Baltimore. He did not have the freshman season that I'm sure that he wanted to have. Well, Reese on Thursday night was a force. Uh, He, in just 22 minutes as a starter, had 19 points and 12 rebounds, including four offensive boards. I mean, talk about being efficient, right? 19 points and 12 rebounds in just 22 minutes as a starter. Uh, Reese went 7 of 9 on twos and 5 of 5 on free throws. He was a big part of the Terps outscoring Western Carolina in the paint 46-20. Uh, Point guard Jameer Young, he's a graduate transfer from Charlotte. He went to DeMatha Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland. He for the Terps on Thursday night in 26 minutes as a starter. 0-1 on threes, just 6-14 on twos, but he also went 4-4 on free throws. Finished with 16 points, 5 rebounds, and 2 blocks. The Terps won by 20 despite going just 2-19 of on threes. Donald Carey, graduate transfer from Georgetown. He, in 24 minutes as a starter, went 0-4 on threes. But the Terps allowed a mere 15 points in the first half. Fewest points allowed by the Terps in a half since December 30th, 2014. Next up for Maryland, home to Binghamton, Tuesday night at 7. Also on Thursday, Virginia Tech improved to 2-0 with a 78-52 blowout of Lehigh at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg, Virginia. Good game for Justin Mutz. 31 minutes as a starter, 1-1 on threes, 5-7 on twos, did go just 3-7 on free throws, but he finished with 16 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists versus no turnovers, and 2 steals. Next up for the Hokies, home to William & Mary, Sunday evening at 6.
And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 442, hopefully will feature nothing but actual football talk in terms of the commanders. I can't promise that given the current environment, but there is a big game on Monday night. And so on Monday show, I will have for you in-depth preview of the four and five commanders at the eight and oh and NFL leading Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football at 8.15. Also on Monday's show, college football breakdowns of Maryland at number 14 Penn State Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Navy versus number 20 Notre Dame at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore Saturday at noon. Liberty at UConn Saturday at noon. Virginia home to Pitt Saturday at noon. Virginia Tech at Duke Saturday at noon. And James Madison at Old Dominion Saturday afternoon at 1. Uh, on Monday show, we'll talk Capitals. Two games for the Caps this weekend. Each game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Friday night home to the Lightning at 7. Sunday night at the Lightning at 7. Uh, on Monday show, we'll talk Wizards. Two games for the Wizards this weekend. Home to the Utah Jazz Saturday evening at 6. And home to the Memphis Grizzlies Sunday evening at at six. And on Monday's show, we'll talk some college hoops. Uh, Georgetown home to Green Bay Saturday morning at 11. Number 18, Virginia home to Monmouth Friday night at nine. And Virginia Tech home to William and Mary Sunday evening at six. Have a great rest of your Friday. Have a great Saturday and Sunday. And I'll talk to you on Monday. I may be a touch ahead of myself here, but it, it, would you return Carson to the lineup when he's ready? You're most certainly ahead of yourself. I told you guys we'll play the game and then I'll, I'll, I'll decide when it's time to.